0: Amen. Would you turn in your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke? Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. We are continuing uh, our second series through the whole Gospel of Luke. This total series is called Jesus, period. And this section of it we're calling the Friend of Sinners. And that's who Jesus is, our friend to sinners like you and me. And so I'm excited to be looking at Luke chapter 4 today. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 13. And this is the word of God to us. It says this And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And He took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We pray that you would speak to us, from this story of Jesus and his temptation. Lord, that you would show us just how strong and how mighty Jesus is. That yes, he was fully human like us. And yes, he felt the full weight of these temptations. Yet he did not give in. He did not sin. He did not rebel against you, God. And so as we even think about our lives and the ways that we are tempted, God, may we look to Jesus May we cling to him. May we rest in the victory that he purchased for us. And may we find grace and mercy in our faithful high priest as we face temptations too. We pray this in Jesus' name today. Amen. So George Parker made a fortune tempting people with the Brooklyn Bridge. Parker lived in New York City his whole life, and he made lots of money scamming people. He posed as a real estate salesman, and he would convince people to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. He had the paperwork that showed that he owned it. Of course, it was all fake. But he would say to them, look at all the money you could make owning the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, just think, if you set up a toll booth, think of how many people pass by the Brooklyn Bridge each day. You could make a fortune owning the Brooklyn Bridge. He would tell them, this bridge can do big things for you. And the temptation was strong for many people. Many people fell for his scam, and they paid him lots of money to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. It made George Parker rich, and it eventually landed him in prison for life. Now, you might be thinking, how could these people be so dumb to buy the Brooklyn Bridge? I mean, who would buy the Brooklyn Bridge from somebody, right? Friends, the reality is, is that we've all bought a Brooklyn Bridge in one way or another. We've all given into the temptation of believing that money is better than loving God. All of us, in one way or another, have believed that praise of man is better than the praise of God. We've given into the temptation that we believe it's truly happy to, to follow our hearts rather than to follow God. You see, when you're standing on the outside and you look at temptation, it seems silly. Why would anybody give in to that? But on the inside, the temptation is strong. The, and it doesn't matter what it for. It's for. It could be for greed or it could be for gossip. It could be for porn or for pills. It could be for pride or partying. It could be anger or anxiety. It could be rebellion or religion. Whatever the temptation is, we all have a problem with temptation. And that problem is that we can't say no. Our hearts are deceitful and the lure of sin is strong. The desires of the flesh are strong. The desires of the eyes are enticing. The pride of life is calling to us. Yet God in His goodness is calling us today to Luke chapter 4 to see someone who is stronger than the temptations that we face. You see, God has brought us to His word to the temptation of Jesus. And He's calling us to trust in the one who has the power to say No. You see, this story is not just about three tips to overcome temptation in your life. If it were that easy, we would do it. We don't need tips. What we need is a deliverer, someone who can deliver us from the power of temptation. We don't need strategies to say no to sin. We need a savior. We need someone who has faced the test and who has passed it on our behalf. We need someone who's never bought a Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, just think about Jesus for a minute. The author of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 18, says this about Jesus. For because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then later in Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, he says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in times of need. You see, Jesus helps us in our temptations. He suffered when he was tempted. He was tempted and didn't give in. And so He's able to sympathize with us. So what do we do? Do we try really hard on our own efforts to just say no to sin? Do we have these three tips from God's Word on how to say no? No, what we do is we draw near to Jesus. That's what God is calling us today. To draw near to the throne of grace. To draw near to the mercy of Jesus. So that we might have His help in our temptation his help in our times of need. So, as we look to the story of Jesus' temptation today, my prayer for us is that we would draw near to Jesus. That we wouldn't look at this story and say, hey, that looks pretty easy for him. Guess we can do it too. No, we would say, we need Jesus to help us in our temptations. So, let's look at the three temptations now that Jesus faced. Face these three tests and let's see how Christ can help us. So the first test is the test of dependence. The test of dependence. So Jesus has just been baptized in in Luke's gospel and commissioned for ministry. And the first thing that he does is face these three temptations. And notice in verse 1 that Luke tells us Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit who drove Jesus to go and face these temptations. Now, the Bible is clear. God does not tempt us with sin, but God will test us. The Bible is full of these moments of testing. Abraham, remember, was tested with his son there on the mountain, whether or not he would offer him to God. David was tested when he was on his rooftop and saw Bathsheba bathing. Daniel was tested when he was threatened with the lion's den. This is Jesus' moment of testing, and it's God's design. You see, the devil is tempting him, yes, but God is the one testing Jesus. Notice in verse 1 also that Jesus is in the wilderness being tested for 40 days. This should remind us of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years facing their test in the desert. And so Jesus is now here in the wilderness for 40 days facing his test. These temptations also remind us of the garden story in Genesis 3, where Satan was there and Adam and his wife Eve were tempted. And so you see, Jesus is standing here as a new Adam, a a new Israel who's facing the test. And we're going to see if he can pass the test where everyone else has failed. Luke is asking us, will Jesus pass the test? Will he resist the temptation? Will he succeed where everyone else has failed? And so the first test comes in verse 2. We're told that Jesus hadn't eaten anything for 40 40 days. And in probably the biggest understatement in the Bible, it says he was hungry. I mean, this is not the kind of hungry where you're standing in front of your pantry at 9 o'clock saying, what do we have to eat? This is the kind of hungry that that hurts your stomach. The kind of hungry that would cause a man to pass out. I mean, the kind of hungry that if he doesn't eat soon, he's going to die. That kind of hungry. And so the devil comes to tempt him with the basic human need, food. In verse 3, the devil says, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, the devil is not challenging whether or not Jesus is the Son of God. Instead, he's challenging, does the Father provide for you? Does the Father care for you? You see, the devil is saying to Jesus, you're hungry and all that the Father has given you is these stones to eat. He's holding out on you, Jesus. He does not love you, Jesus. He doesn't care for you. You see, Jesus has the power to turn these stones into bread. Later in Luke 9, we'll see Jesus turn five loaves into enough bread to feed over 5,000 people. So the question is not, can Jesus do it? The question is, will Jesus do it? Will he trust the Father to provide food for him or will he take matters into his own hands? Will he rely on the Father's plan and timing for him? Or will he believe that the Father is holding out on him? This is the test of dependence. Will Jesus depend upon the Father's care for his life? And friends, this is a test that we have all failed in one way or another. We have believed that it's better to have a full belly than to have a Father in heaven. We have believed the lie that God is holding out on us and that He is not a good Father. We've believed the lie that we can have a blessed life without God the Father in it. You see, we're just like Israel in the desert. God gave them food. God gave them water. His presence was with them. And what did they say to Moses? We would rather go back to Egypt and be slaves with full bellies than out here in the desert with God as our Father. And so we too choose to be slaves to our food or drink or money or whatever it is instead of being dependent upon the Father. We've all failed the test of dependence. We think that we can be self-reliant, that we don't need a Father in heaven providing for us. But, friends, Jesus passed the test that we all fail. In verse 4, Jesus answered the devil by quoting Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He said, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone. You see, Jesus knows that food is good. I'm sure he, he was hungry, he wanted some food, but he trusts that the Father is better. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And so Jesus chose to trust the Father even with an empty belly. I mean, a loaf of bread would be really great right now. But he said, depending on the Father is even better. He chose dependence over self-reliance. He chose the Father over food. And friends, because Jesus chose the Father over food, then we can do that too. You see, the temptation to satisfy our cravings apart from the Father, those are never going to go away. Our appetites will always be there. But Jesus will always be there. And by His life and death and resurrection, He has made us sons and daughters of the Father in heaven. And the Father isn't going anywhere. The Father will always love his children. The father knows how to give good gifts to his children. The father might even discipline us, but it's because he loves us. The father's care for us will never stop. We might be hungry. We might be hurting. We might be lonely. We might be anxious. We might be bitter. We might be angry, but the father's love for us will never stop. And so today Jesus is calling us to choose the Father over full bellies. He's calling us to look to Him and to live dependent lives upon the Father. So how do we do that? What does that look like in our day-to-day lives? Well, you notice you can read the whole Gospels. Jesus never gave us a strategy on how to depend upon the Father. But what He did give us was a prayer. He gave us a prayer to help us every day fight the temptation to think that we can do it on our own, that we don't need a Father in heaven. I'm sure you know the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And what does it say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For centuries, Christians have prayed that prayer every day to cultivate a heart of dependence. So let me encourage us, church. Can we, can we pray Jesus' prayer? How about a week? Let's try a week. Let's try every day for the next seven days praying Jesus' prayer. And don't worry, it's not going to be legalistic. It's not going to be ritualistic. It's okay for us to say the same prayer every day. Why not allow this prayer that Jesus gave us to create in us a heart of dependence upon the Father? Every day praying, Father, I want your will to be done. Father, I want want you to give me not what I want today, but what I need today. Father, I want you to help me forgive others today. Father, can you deliver me from temptation today? You see, Jesus can help us resist the temptation for full bellies. And this is a prayer that can draw us into daily dependence upon the Father. Here's a prayer that can daily draw us in to the throne of grace. So, brothers and sisters, let's look to Jesus as we seek to depend upon the Father who loves us. That's the first test, the test of dependence. Second test is the test of loyalty. So after Jesus passes the first temptation, the the devil comes up with a second one. In verse 5, Luke tells us that the devil takes him up to a mountain and shows him a vision of all the kingdoms of the world. And then listen again to what he says to Jesus in verse 6. To you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it's been delivered to me. I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Now, some people think the devil is bluffing here. Can he really deliver all the kingdoms to Jesus? In one sense, no, because God is the rightful ruler of all things. But there is a sense, yes, where he can deliver them to Jesus. Paul would call the devil the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2. Jesus would even claim in John 14 that he is the ruler of this world. So there's a sense in where the devil and his demons control this world. That's why they're called rulers and authorities and powers. And through their evil influence, influence, they can hand the nations to Jesus. But it'll come at a cost. Jesus has to worship the devil. Now, this is an interesting temptation because God has already promised the nations to Jesus. You remember God's declaration over Jesus at his baptism? You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. We, we saw that last week. Part of that is quoting from Psalm 2. And listen to Psalm 2, verse 8, where God says this to his beloved son. He says, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession." So if Jesus is going to get the nations in the end, then what exactly is the temptation here? You see, the devil knows that Jesus will get the nations in the end, but he's questioning how will Jesus get them? Will Jesus get them God's way or will he get them the devil's way? Will Jesus stay loyal in order to inherit the nations or will Jesus go another way and bow the knee to Satan? You see, many have rightly understood that this is a temptation to glory without the cross. God has promised the nations in all their glory to Jesus, but it's going to come through suffering and death. It's going to come through the cross. You see, when the heavenly hosts gather together to celebrate Jesus as the king of the nations, here's what they say in Revelation 5, 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. If Jesus is going to stay loyal to the father, then that means he's going to be slain. It means he's going to suffer and die. And so that's where the temptation lies. Devil says to Jesus, you don't want to suffer and die, do you? Why stay loyal to a God who has planned your death? I can give you what you want without the cross. This is the test of loyalty. Will Jesus stay loyal to the Father even when there's a cross coming for him? And friends, this is a test that we too have failed we've all failed to be truly loyal to god and to love and to worship him and and we're not maybe after all the kingdoms of the earth and all their glory but maybe a little bit of glory sounds pretty good to us we like the praise of others we want the glory of a successful career we maybe want our families to serve us at times we maybe want to get that contract at work, even if we've got to cheat a little bit to get it. The idea of worshiping Satan might sound crazy, but the temptation to gain even a little bit of the glory that he offers is not. But again, Jesus resists the temptation. Again, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6.13. He says, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve you see it doesn't matter what the devil offers it's not he is not worthy of worship only god is worthy of our worship only god is worthy of serving even if there's a cross coming and so jesus refuses to inherit the nations by worshiping satan and instead he chooses the path of the cross he chooses to stay loyal to the father And in fact, that did lead Jesus to a cross. It was in the face of suffering and death that Jesus chose to worship and serve the Father. He would pass this test again in the garden the night before he was killed when he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. He said, if there's another way other than the cross, then take it away. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So in an act of worship and total surrender, Jesus chose the cross. And it's because Jesus was loyal even to the cross, that means we can be loyal to the Father as well. Do you remember the story of Daniel and his three friends? The king of Babylon makes a decree that When the music plays, everybody in the whole city has got to bow their knee and worship this massive idol. It was a picture of the king. But Daniel's three friends refused to bow down when the music played. And so the king was angered, and he he gave them a choice. You can bow down and worship my idol, or you can be thrown into the furnace. And this is what they said to the king. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. They said, Our God is able to deliver us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we will not serve your gods or worship your idol. Even if you throw us in there and we die today, we will not bow down. And so that's what happens. They're thrown into the fire, but they do not die. The Lord was with them, even walking with them in the fire, and he delivered them. Friends, Jesus is walking with us through the fire, and he's calling us to stay loyal even in the face of suffering. Jesus endured the fire of the cross so that we might say no no to false worship and glory. Friends, what this world has to offer us is nothing compared to a life of worship and service to God. Bowing down to the world is not worth it. Bowing down to sin is not worth it. Bowing to worship the devil is not worth it. And so Jesus is showing us today that God is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our loyalty even when suffering comes. And Jesus went to the cross so that we might have the power to say no to this temptation. And we may say loyal to the Father as well. So brothers and sisters, let's look to Jesus as we seek to worship the Lord and serve him alone. That's the second test, the test of loyalty. Then number three, the last one, the test of trust. So the devil comes to Jesus with one last temptation. Luke tells us in verse 9 that the devil took Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. You see, the the devil saw Jesus quoting scripture and he thought two can play at that game. And so he then quotes from Psalm 91. He says, God will send his angels to catch you if you jump from this temple. Your foot will not even hit a stone on the ground because they will protect you. God will protect you. You see, Psalm 91 is a declaration of faith and trust in the Lord. We read it at the beginning of the service. The psalm begins by declaring that God is a refuge and a fortress for those who trust Him. And then the psalm celebrates all the way that God promises to protect and deliver His people. And so the devil is saying to Jesus, hey, God has promised to protect you. He's promised to deliver you from danger. So why don't you see if God can make good on his promise? Jump and make him prove his faithfulness to you. Make God send his angels to catch you. Make him literally bear you up and keep your feet safe. Make God prove to you, Jesus, that he can be trusted. You see, that's the temptation. It's a test of trust. Will Jesus trust the words of Psalm 91, or does he need the Father to prove it to him? Can he trust the Father's love, or does the Father have to prove it? Can he trust that the Father loves him and is well pleased with him, or does he need proof. This is a test of trust. And it's a test that we again have all failed. From the beginning we've failed to trust God. Adam and Eve in the garden failed to trust God to give them wisdom and knowledge. And so they took it for themselves and ate from the forbidden fruit. Abraham and Sarah failed to trust God to give them a son. And so instead they took Sarah's Slave and abused her. Israel failed to trust God's promise to bring them into the promised land, and instead they refused to follow God. David failed to trust God to satisfy him, and instead he took another man's wife, had him killed, and then lied about the whole thing. So it's no wonder then that Paul would say in Romans, 14.23, 14.23, that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Or to flip it the other way around, all sin really comes from a lack of faith. A lack of trusting God. That's at the heart of sin. That's at the heart of temptation. A failure to trust God. I mean, why would a man who's unhappy with his marriage leave his wife and run off with a coworker? Because he doesn't trust God to mend what's broken in his marriage. Why would a woman be envious of other families? Because she doesn't trust God to work in hers, even when it's hard. I mean, why do we get angry with other people? Because we don't trust that God is going to make things right one day. Why do we let anxiety into our hearts? Because we don't trust that God is good and that he does good. Even in suffering. You see, behind every sin, behind every temptation, there is this question Will we trust God or not? Friends, Jesus has proven that God can be trusted. Jesus answers the devil in verse 12 by quoting Deuteronomy 6 16. He said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, God is not the one that needs to be tested, he does not have to prove his faithfulness. And so Jesus chooses faith. He chooses to trust the Father. Jesus says to the devil, I know God can rescue me, but he does not have to prove it to me. Jesus chose to walk by faith instead of walking by sight. And friends, in Christ, we can do the same. So let's let's just be honest for a moment. It's hard to choose faith. Trusting God doesn't come easy for us. I mean, there's times in our lives where we want God to show up and we want Him to prove that He can be trusted. God, I want you to prove that you can fix my marriage. God, I want you to prove that you can work through our family and my parenting. God, I want you to prove that you can make me content in singleness. God, I want you to to prove that you can overcome this addiction for me. God, I want you to prove that you can make me happy. There are times where we're all standing at the top of the temple and we're getting ready to jump just so that we can know that God loves us. But friends, Jesus is standing there with us. And he's saying to us, just believe. Trust the Father with me. The Father can be trusted even when you can't see it. And Jesus knows because his faith led him straight to the cross. He trusted the Father when he left heaven. He trusted the Father when he was born as one of us. He trusted the Father as he grew and learned he trusted the Father as he faced rejection and persecution. He trusted the Father when he was arrested. He trusted the Father when he was falsely condemned. He trusted the Father when he was whipped and beaten. He trusted the Father when they spit in his face. He trusted the Father when they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross. He trusted the Father when they plunged a spear into his side. And Jesus trusted the Father even to his very last breath. And he died trusting the Father. And so here, friends, Jesus stands today on the other side of death saying to us, the Father can be trusted. Jesus died to prove the Father can be trusted. And Jesus is calling us to come and to join him in trusting The Father, And so that means some of us need to trust for the very first time today. You see, for some of us, the temptation today is that you don't need Jesus. You don't need what he accomplished. Maybe you think you're good enough. Maybe you think you've done enough religious things in your life. Maybe you think you're not as bad as some of these people in the world. And you don't really need a savior. The truth is all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and failed the temptations. And our only hope is that you might trust in Jesus to deliver you from your sin and temptation. Your only hope is to put your faith in Jesus. If you've never done that, you can do that today for the first time. You can do that right now at your seat. You can call out to Jesus. You can repent of your sin You can trust that he lived and died and rose for you. And the promise of God for you is that you will be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll be made new in Christ. Jesus is the friend of sinners. He loves to save sinners like you and like me. So some of us today, you can do that now. Don't leave today without knowing and trusting in Christ for the first time today. Stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in Jesus today. But for those of us in Christ, those of us who have believed, that means that Jesus is calling us not just to trust him once, but to a lifetime of trusting. You see, we don't just just trust once and get saved so we can go to to heaven. Jesus is inviting us to a life of faith, a life of day-by-day trusting Him. It won't be easy. It won't come naturally to us. It will be a fight some days. But let's end where we began today, church, drawing near to our faithful high priest. Brothers and sisters, we have a faithful high priest who has been tempted in every way that we are tempted. And he said no he's inviting us to draw near to him by faith so that we might receive grace in our time of testing, in our time of need. You see, Jesus passed the test in our place. He passed the test of dependence. He passed the test of loyalty. He passed the test of trust. And so he's calling us to draw near to him and to trust in him when we face our temptation. And I'll leave you with this final thought. As Pastor Lance has said before, we need to keep trusting the one who keeps us trusting. Let's keep trusting the one who keeps us trusting. Let's keep holding on to the one who's holding on to us. Let's keep resting in the one who said, Come to me and find rest. Let's keep trusting in Jesus as he keeps us trusting. And so let's keep fighting then our temptation by drawing near to the one who said it's finished. Brothers and sisters, Jesus suffered and died so that we might find help from every temptation. So let's keep trusting the one who keeps us trusting. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, we thank you that you didn't just give us some tips, some pointers on how to overcome temptation, but you gave us a Savior. Someone who might deliver us from evil. Someone who might deliver us from our sin. Someone who might rescue us from the power of the devil. And so, Lord, we thank you so much that he passed the test when we could not. He lived a full life of dependence upon you when we choose self-reliance instead. He chose loyalty when we seek the glory of the things of this world instead. And he chose to trust when we so often lack and fail to have faith. And so, God, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, if there are those here today who have never trusted in him to be saved, would today be the day of salvation, God? Would you draw them to you so that they might, for the first time, believe in Christ and be saved? God, but for those of us in Jesus who are seeking to live a life of faith, who are fighting for faith, God, may we draw near to our faithful high priest. When we are tempted, may we draw near to, To him and say his prayer that he gave to us so that we might be dependent upon you. God, would we draw near to him and and allow his his death on the cross to be the, the means by which we say no to the world and we choose yes to worshiping you. And God, would we allow the finished work of Jesus to be all the proof that we need to know that you can be trusted. And so instead of jumping, would you allow us to walk not by sight, but by faith? God, help us to trust in Jesus, the one who keeps us trusting. We pray these things in his name today. Amen.